0: Hi everyone, this is Darius Sulam from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Our real science sessions focus on connecting with the researchers, educators, and industry professionals from all walks of life that make scientific discovery and innovation possible. We talk about their work, their passions, their pitfalls, why they got into science in the first place and where the road lies ahead. Today, I'm talking with Michelle Wong, a junior at University of California, Davis. Michelle recently was one of 10 students who was awarded the Scientist.com STEM Research NIL Award for Promising Undergraduate Researchers. Scientist.com's goal is to empower and connect scientists worldwide and accelerate scientific discovery. Their digital research platform combines sophisticated AI technology with white Glove research concierge support to enable scientists to run more innovative experiments in less time and at lower cost. Scientist.com operates private enterprise marketplaces for most of the world's major pharmaceutical companies, over 100 biotechnology companies, and the U.S. National Institutes of Health. This award is part of Scientist.com's commitment to support and mentor students who are at the beginning of their education and careers in STEM. In addition to a grant of $5,000 each, the 10 award winners are collaborating with Scientist.com as brand ambassadors. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So I'm going to jump into the first question here. Where did you grow up? Have you always been interested in the sciences? And if not, what sparked your interest?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm from San Francisco, California. Um, I actually grew up really close to Golden Gate Park, actually two blocks away. Um, And so I think that was a really great place to grow up. Um, I went to a middle school where I learned uh, math in Cantonese um, up until seventh grade. And then in man- Mandarin, uh, math and Mandarin in eighth grade. And then I went to um, a public high school um, that was pretty well known um, for STEM. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of like my education and how I kind of went to college from there. Um, I feel like I've always kind of been interested in science just from how I've been raised by my parents, Um, they were always very encouraging and very focused on, you know, telling me I can do whatever I want. They're both kind of in healthcare, Um, So, you know, very early on, they kind of nurtured the idea in in me that I could do whatever I want. Um, And so, you know, growing up, I think one memorable story that really stuck with me was back in sixth grade in my geology class. It was the very first day um, and I was super nervous. Um, so the, I guess her name's Miss Ernst. Um, she just went to the class, walked up and she was like, all right, guys, um, we're going to do a quick exercise. You have 20 minutes now. Why don't you draw like what a scientist looks like to you? So she gave us a piece of paper and all the color pens and crayons, um, typical sixth grade. Um, and then everyone sat down and drew whatever they thought a scientist looks like. After about like 10 minutes or 20 minutes or so, she was like, all right, guys, let's see. And she walked around and she like looked at my image and I had drawn basically myself, like 20 years older in a white coat with like, colored beakers and bubbles like popping out or like, and I think one of them was like engulfed in flames and the laboratory was like about to be destroyed. Um, but that was the image I drew. And she was like, Michelle, you know, why did you draw like a woman? You know, like, cause apparently everyone else in the room had drawn like not a woman. Like I think most people had drawn like Einstein, like his crazy hair and then like a white lab coat. And so she was like, Michelle, why did you draw like a woman? And I was like, well, well, I was like petrified, you know, sixth grade people. I don't know. It was just a weird time. I was a transfer student and I don't like being called out. Um, and I was like, I'm like a tiny voice. I was like, well, girls can be scientists too. And she's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So that was a very memorable experience. I think I've been really lucky with my professors and um, as people who um, taught me, um, I had a really memorable, well, I'll get into that later, but I had a lot of mem- really memorable teachers um, who really shapes me. Um, And I also was really lucky in that my parents really believed in me and that I could, like, it just instilled in me, like, I could do whatever I want. So it was never a question of, like, can I do it? It was more like, what area do I go into kind of thing? Um, And so that's kind of where I jumped off into college. And I applied undeclared um, to all my colleges, basically, um, and kind of just figured it out from there.
0: Wow, that's an awesome story. And of course, I I love the fact that uh, you were the one to 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 go outside the norm and, and not draw that Einstein character that everyone thinks a scientist is supposed to look like. So awesome. Um second question, where where are you currently studying? What is your major? You said you were undeclared. So how did we get to the the point that you are today? Can and can you tell us a little bit about the research that you're currently doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I feel like I Came into college kind of pre-med just because my parents are both in healthcare. They're like, Michelle, you know, it's a good career path. You might want to consider it. A lot of stability. Um, So I I came into college like kind of intending that. I chose Davis because of its like very plentiful um, research and clinical opportunities. There's a lot of really great student-run clinics in Davis. Um, And so, um, yeah, I came in undeclared. Um, I tried a lot of different things. I was a plant biology major for a few quarters. Um, I was a genetics and genomics major up until my, um, towards the end of my second year. And then around my third year or towards the end of my second, beginning of third, I really realized I wanted to do something else. So I decided to major in statistics and that's my current major. I'm a third year, um, rising fourth year at UC Davis. Um, And I think it like took a lot of exploring to kind of get there. And I am really grateful I wasn't like very stuck on one career path or one major. And I was very open to exploring. Um, I took a few plant bio classes, realized I wasn't super interested in it. I was tutoring um, statistics since my freshman year. Um, So I kind of had that. Baseline, I guess. I always knew I would do a stats minor. Um, then I was gen- a genomics and genetics major for a while because um, I was doing, you know, I'll talk about that a little more probably later. But uh, I was doing like retinal-based genomics research, um, so I thought that would be a good major. Um, and then I kind of realized how important coding was, and that I, um, I was really interested in it, and I really liked the analysis part of research more than the collecting data part. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of, um, kind of my major background. Um, I think the important lesson from it is not to like, just stick to one and kind of be open to exploring. Um, and so, um, yeah, so about my research, uh, I'll just talk about my collegiate research cause that's probably more interesting. Um, so I joined a lab my freshman year, it was a wet lab based, um, Mouse model retinal generation lab where, um, we were looking at how, like, we we're turning on and off certain genes in the mice and then kind of just seeing how that affected the retinal genera- uh, the retina in these mice. And we would, like, take out the eye, inoculate it, section it off, um, stain it for what we were looking for, like, usually cell death or something like that. Um, yeah. So that was really good basic wet lab. I was there for a year and a half. Um, and then I transitioned over to my current lab, which is the Lewis Carvajal Kimono lab in UC Davis. And there I do, I'm a bioinformatics researcher, so it's more computational. I kind of just sit at the computer all day and I'm just a code monkey. Um, but yeah, I, I previously helped analyze or do quality control analysis between two different variant colors. Um, so what that is, is we're just looking um, to, um, looking at specific, or we have the whole genome of uh, next generation sequencing like, genome samples. Um, there's like whole exome, whole genome kind of thing. And we look for mutations um, that are um, just like mutations. And, and these are the samples of people who have cancer. And so we're just like looking for mutations that could potentially um, have influenced the cancer or maybe caused it in some way. Um, so yeah, I was doing, um, so in order to do that, you have variant callers and different callers will call different variants differently, Um, so I was just uh, comparing and contrasting two variant colors, and that's how I got the scholarship. Um, My current project is a little more interesting. It makes a little more sense. I feel like the variant calling is a little more abstract. Um, Currently I'm working on um, analyzing 250 gastric cancer patient samples, um, and I'm looking for counts of two pathogens, um, H. pylori and EBV. uh, Epstein-Barr virus. Um, for anyone <laughs> interested, um, it's kind. Of, I think it it's related to like mono, like um, the lip thing. Um, so super interesting. And these are pretty well-known pathogens that contribute to gastric cancer. So I'm just looking for the counts in the genome to see um, how, man- how much there is. I guess. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. So you mentioned um, a little bit about some research related to the eyes, mm-hmm. and in your biography. Um, you mentioned that when you were younger, you almost went blind due to high myopia. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you overcame that and whether that experience had an impact on your decision to get into research?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's a really interesting story and I'm I just putting it out there that I'm not like clinical person. Um, so anything I say May or may not be fully accurate, Um, but yeah, I'll just tell you what I know. Um, So when I was born, I was born um, a little weirdly. I had a nuchal cord wrapped around my throat, Um, and so I was born via forceps delivery, and that caused like ocular trauma. Um, So my left and right eye are different prescriptions. My left eye is my, or at the time, my left eye was myopic, and my right eye was presbyopic, So nearsighted, farsighted. So that was interesting. Um, I also have a family history of myopia. All my family members have it. My dad went legally blind. Um, So, yeah, it's just very, very bad, like, myopia genes, I guess. Um, um, And then, so, when I was around, when I was really young, I had problems seeing the board in classrooms. I had problems just, just, like, reading. Um, I went to an eye therapist um, who would help me, like, see like read properly because whenever i had my eyes just had a problem focusing so he would give me a little booklet and then there would be like little characters and he would tell me if they're moving or not or he would ask me if they're moving or not moving and he'd tell me what i was supposed to see and kind of just train my eyes to like see properly um i thought i don't know what that was a result of i think that was a result of the ocular trauma um and my right eye still has a lot of corneal scarring from that um and then from there My myopia really kicked in when I was eight years old. My prescription was minus four point something, I think 4.7 diopters in my left eye. Um, My right eye was like plus one or something like that. Um, And so that's really, really high for an eight year old. Um, Minus 10 diopters is legally blind, you might know that. and so I was basically halfway to becoming blind. Um, so my mom is really concerned and she's an optometrist, luckily enough. And she heard about this new technology called orthokeratology. Um, it's basically a hard contact lens that you wear at night and it reshapes your cornea. And um, it allows you to like your it basically halts the elongation of the eyeball, which is basically what myopia is. And. Um, and yeah, it worked for me. Um, it basically just stopped my nearsightedness where it was at. Um, I couldn't do it on my right eye because it had corneal scarring. Um, but yeah, I was super lucky. It was a technology not approved by the FDA. I was one of the first people to like adapt this technology in San Francisco. Um, Honestly, just super lucky. My mom was an optometrist and she heard about it. Um, and yeah, she's still doing a lot of it. I was a guinea pig, basically. And I don't know what I would have done if it didn't work. So I think a lot of what I do, oh, I was super interested in eye stuff initially. And I was dead set on becoming an ophthalmologist as a result of kind of like my past. Um, I did a lot of like clinical research research. Previously in high school too, I worked in an optometry. Um, I did a lot of stuff for the FDA, or I, not a lot of stuff for the FDA, but I did. I helped with the clinical trials for FDA stage three uh, for Alcon contact lenses. Um, that was interesting. Um, and then I joined my first lab in UC Davis, which was um, the eye lab because I was really interested in the eyes. Uh, I came to realize I actually didn't like the eyes as much as I thought. It's a lot of like neurobio, and I. Um, I just, yeah, you know, like some people like really are just really interested in the brain. I just realized I wasn't one of those people. So I kind of trans- transitioned after and, you know, it's just a matter of like finding what you like and what you don't like. Um, and I think my background really gave me a, a launching pad to into science um, and into research. But you don't necessarily have to stick to your story or stick to like a predestined path if you like, don't really like it. And so I'm really... Yeah, I think I'm very grateful for my past, really grateful for the people who surround me. And um, yeah, just lucky I didn't go blind.
0: (laughs) That's a really awesome story. And those people who surrounded you during that that period obviously must have had some kind of impact on your your journey here. So that leads me to the next question. Who was or is the greatest influence on your career, or your education path right now? And do you have a mentor that has played a significant role?
1: Yeah, um, that's a good question. I was actually thinking about this. and I was trying to pinpoint one person, and I, th- I don't think I can. Um, I feel like I just had a lot of people in my life who have influenced me, and it kind of depends on the stage of my life, like, to the extent that they influenced me. Um, I think when I was really young, my parents were definitely the biggest influence, as they should be in a, in a kid's life. Um, they're kind of the reasons I chose to go to Davis. They actually went to Davis, and they met here. Um, fun fact. Um and they were, the interest, they were the reasons why I was interested in pre-med in the first place, I guess, besides my like lived experiences. Um, and then once I got to college, um, I would say in each of the research labs I've been in, there's always like one really important woman who like, kind of shapes my experience and is really involved in training me. Um, in my first lab, it was the junior specialist, Sonia Frick. Um, in my current lab, it's um, also the junior specialist, um, Catherine, and she's very, really great in just whenever I don't I run a co- piece of code and it doesn't work, I can always just go to her and be like, "Hey, this is what I've tried. This is what's not working," and then she always helps me figure it out. Um, and never inval- She always validates like my confusion, which I really appreciate, and I really think it's really important that, um, my mentors are someone who I can. Kind of see myself in, um, and that's something I try to actively choose. Um, but I've also had a lot of great, you know, I've had women and men mentors, um, like my high school calculus BC teacher. Really, um, he he was, yeah, really great figure in my life, and he also was a really pivotal. He was re- he played a really pivotal role in my high school career. Um, and I remember when I was, when COVID first hit, um, he was the first person I reached out to and I was like, Hey, can we talk? Like, I'm really like worried about how this, how COVID will affect my uh, high school career. Um, I wasn't doing so hot during COVID because uh, in calculus during COVID just cause I couldn't really focus. Um, and yeah, he was really, really really great. Um, and I remember when I, I when I first got into colleges, I called him up and I was like, hey, you know, I'm like debating between these two schools. And he helped me choose. He was like, this is why I think you should choose this one. Um, but it's ultimately up to you. So yeah, a lot of really great people. Um, yeah, just very lucky.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, and out of all of these people, these teachers and mentors and family members, are there any qualities that you think you've noticed in them that you'd like to carry on when you eventually step into their shoes in the future?
1: Yeah, um, I think um, hmm. I think the most key role or key characteristic I hope to bring from them is like the ability to like feel seen. Um, I feel like I ask a lot of questions and whenever they like kind of validate it or, you know, if they're able to break down a very complicated topic in a not so complicated way with visual diagrams and kind of just, um, diffuse all the like confusion in my head, I really appreciate that. And I'm trying to also kind of be that person. Um, I started tutoring, um, both individual private tutoring and tutoring with the UC Davis Academic Assistance and Tutoring Center when I was a freshman, which is not normal. Um, I just got really lucky, um, old luck and also, um, you know, everything's not just luck, but, um, sometimes I like to think it is, um, um, yeah. So I started tutoring my freshman year and I tutor like, um, both individual people who just like asked me to tutor them. I also tutor first-generation college students, um, student athletes, um, PhD students. Sometimes I mainly tutor statistics now because it just was, it's just what is interesting to me. Um, but one thing I always try to bring back into the sessions, um, is that like Yes, it's really confusing. And a lot of these people had never touched like code before. So a lot of them for a lot of them is their first venture into like our studio, their first time kind of seeing all these equations. I really tried to like, you know, ground them and just like, you know, it's a very, very steep learning process this is your first class. Like, don't let it discourage you from like taking more classes like this in the future and just trying to like make con- the concepts a lot easier to understand. Um, I feel like we need a lot more <laughs> woman and... Um, like statistics or CS. I know my data science class is 75% men, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And so I really just try to encourage people to, um, not just see the hard parts, but, you know, try to get past it and, um, you know, really enjoy the process of, uh, like fixing a problem or solving a bug or something.
0: Well, it's really great that you're able to, to take the qualities from your mentors and then apply it to your tutoring and, and pass on that kind of that style to others and reminding them that science isn't done in a silo. You certainly can ask for help and expect to receive it from other people. That's awesome. Um, so my last question for you today is, do you have any advice for your younger students who are interested into in uh, getting into research, but uh, they might be intimidated or not know where to begin? <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I feel like it really depends on your situation, like where you are financially, um, geographically and personally. Like, I feel like a lot of it is your own, like knowing you can. There's a lot of imposter syndrome, at least in my opinion in science and a lot of like a lot of self-doubt that can creep in. Like, is this like, did it fail because of me or like is this a me thing or if it's, is, is it like external kind of thing? And so I feel like a lot of work needs to be done within first and then kind of going from there. Um If, it's, if someone is a high school student and interested in research, um, I recommend just reaching out to a professor in a university near them um, and just saying, Hey, you know, just telling them a bit of background, like I'm blank. I'm interested in your research because of blank. Do you have like space for an additional undergrad or additional high school or like, this is what I can bring. Or if you can't bring anything, that's okay. Like I'm just, I'm willing, super willing to learn. Um, that's kind of how I got my first gig in high school. Um, I interned at UCSF for a bit, um, in a liver cancer lab. And that really helped me get, an inter- or get into research really early on in high in college. Um, Yeah, I know, specifically, I know more about San Francisco Bay Area. Um, Stanford has a lot of great summer programs. SS State has a lot of really good PIs who are really interested in mentoring. Um, And also UCSF has a lot of really great programs for all San Francisco public schools. So, um, yeah, just kind of see what resources are available to you. Um, Make sure you know why you want to do it. And know that if something doesn't work out, it's not you. It's the cell's fault for for dying on you. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time and your insights, Michelle. It was really awesome talking to you today.
1: Yeah, you Hi. too. Thank you for inviting me. And i like to thank, like, I guess everyone who helped me get here. So thank you, scientists.com, for um, supporting this podcast and just making this possible.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Real Science and that you'll tune in to future episodes where scientists and students just like you answer questions about their life, their work, and share insights into what it's like to be doing real science. Don't forget to subscribe.